Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Look with me to Acts chapter 2. I started quoting it. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability to do so. Today, I would like to preach a message on this Pentecost Sunday entitled, The Setback is a Setup for a Comeback. Come on now. The Setback is a Setup for a Comeback. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you just speak to us today, God. Challenge us, God. Inspire us and fill every one of us today, God. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I love baseball. As a kid, I loved to play baseball at school with my friends. I even played on a church softball team. We played in tournaments all over Louisiana, Mississippi, into Arkansas and Texas. Some of my teammates were my cousin Randy. He's famous around here. My not-so-famous cousin around here, Wayne, he was on the team too. Yeah. Jeff Pilot was on the team. Johnny Evans was on the team. That is Claire Cook's father. And others, Mike Weisinger, Daryl Blair, Percy Hubbard, Sonny Rasco, Dennis Parker, David Parker, some others. Every summer, I also played softball at youth camps up in Tioga. Now, today, it's all about basketball. And my son-in-law is really inspired by those Toronto Raptors right now. And without Kevin Durant, I just don't know if there's any hope for the other team. But I digress. At camps nowadays, it's all about basketball. But back when I was a kid going to camp, it was all about softball. And so you had professional teams from these big old churches that would get together and they'd sweep everybody. And then there was these little scrappy teams like I was on. We would just kind of pick people and like, here we are, we're a team. And ragtag. And one year, my little ragtag team won the whole championship, beat all the big dogs. I was pitching for a lot of those games and played uh, some different positions. It was just just awesome. I got a T-shirt, whatever. I still have it. I wish it fit. (laughs) Not really. I do wish I had it, though. But anyhow, uh, I love baseball. But here's the deal. I'm an only child, so I practiced a lot of baseball by myself. Well, how did you do that, D.H.? Well, I'll tell you how I did that. First of all, I had had one of these. Let me see if we can get this up here. There we go. Look at that. Now, that one's the kind that you can bat into. I really didn't have one like that. What I had was one that you could just throw the ball into. It had a strike zone on it, and you could throw the ball in it, and when it bounced back to you. So I would practice pitching 
And then you never knew where the ball was going to go when it came bouncing back. So I'd, you know, I'd, I'd catch the ball. So that's one way that this poor, lonely, only child practiced playing baseball by himself in his yard. Uh, but when it came to batting, I had some other alternatives. I had one of these. These are terrible pictures. I, I thought I loaded good ones, but I didn't. But this was a tee that had a string attached to the ball. So you could hit it, Kelly, and it would go out, and then it'd come back, you know, and you put it back on, hit it again. So I would swing. But that wasn't my favorite way to practice batting the ball, Monica. The way I love to practice batting the ball was to go out into this field behind Airline High School and, and to get out there, and, and then I would take the ball, and I would just, without my tee, without my net, and I would throw the ball way up in the air. Oh, I didn't do that in the first service. I would throw it way up in the air. I didn't throw it as high in the first service. I would throw it way up in the air, and then when that thing was uh, out of control seemingly, and it, it looked like it was, you know, it was nobody had it, their hand on it. It's just going through the air. I would put that hand on the bat, and I would wear back, and with everything within me, I was now Reggie Jackson, or I was George Brett, or I was Hank Aaron, or I was Pete Rose, or Johnny Bench, and I would swing for the fences. And sometimes I hit a sweet spot on the bat, and, and I hit a home run, and I would jump up and down, and I could hear this lonely this lonely only child could hear the stadium, man, just roaring with adoration as I hit the ball out of the park, hit a home run. Man, I loved it. And when it looked like that ball was totally out of control, not in my hand, it, it was going up, 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 or down, down, down. Really, what was happening is, it was being it was positioned right where i wanted it to be so i could rear back and hit that bad boy yeah that's right i set it up for my own glory i set it up for my own glory now, Jesus had nearly been beaten to death, so much so that a soldier recruited Simon to carry the cross for him, lest he die before he got hung on the cross. It had been an illegal trial, a kangaroo court. He had been mocked, ridiculed, forsaken by his closest friends. They had painfully placed a purple robe on his beaten, shredded back, mocking his claim of kingship. He had gone up to Jerusalem. Think about that. He went up to Jerusalem. It was a ticker tape parade. Everybody was singing his praises, pomp and splendor, adoring crowds. But it all seemed to be unraveling, out of control, the trial, the scourging, the mocking. Talk about a setback. And then they stripped him naked, drove nails into his hands and feet, and lifted him up on that cross between two thieves. They shoved a crown of thorns into his head. 
they ripped chunks of his beard from his face. His eyes were swollen. He was bloody from head to toe. They placed a placard above his head on that cross in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, and it was mocking him, King of the Jews. And at the foot of the cross, it was like Laber's Casino. I mean, the soldiers were throwing dice and gambling for that robe, mocking him. Meanwhile, he's on that cross with his life ebbing away in excruciating pain. The word excruciating is from the Latin. It means out of the cross. All pain and agony is is standardized by the cross. Jesus uttered seven sayings on that cross. Father, forgive them. Today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he gave up the ghost and died. A soldier wanted to make sure he really was dead. So he drove that spear through his side and it pierced the sack around his heart and blood and water came out. It looked like everything was just up in the air, just out of control, suspended between heaven and earth, out in the unknown with no rhyme or reason, no purpose or meaning. But that seeming setback was really a well-planned, well-orchestrated setup for an amazing comeback. The same way I used to throw that ball up and set it up for myself. God had set himself up for success. Isaiah 59, 16 says this. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness. It sustained him. This was his doing. It was not out of his control. Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. But that ain't all. I have the power to raise it back up again. He has done it all. That's the point here. He had set it all up all by himself, tossed up the ball of redemption, put it in just the right place at just the right time, right where it needed to be. It looked like a train wreck, chaos. It looked like a setback, but he never lost control. He had that power all along to lay it down and to set it back up. He could have called 10,000 angels, but in his providence, he didn't. And I'm going to tell you something. My Jesus, I hate to further the the sports illustration, but bear with me. My Jesus is a world-class power hitter. He is a cosmic slugger, the home run champion of the universe. And at Calvary, he was swinging for the fences to his own glory. (laughs) No wonder on the day of Pentecost, There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. It was that bat he was swinging, man, sending the ball of redemption out of the park and clearing the bases, man. It was a grand slam home run, clearing the bases for all of humanity. Can I go ahead and just say this right now? Our God is an expert at making setups look like setbacks. 
making setups look like setbacks. But he's still got everything under control. He's still on the throne. And he knows how to get a comeback out of that situation. Listen, some of you, the devil's told you. He said, well, you're all washed up. There's no recovering from this one. You'll never get out of this mess. You're done. You're washed up. God's through with you. It's all over that divorce, that addiction, that that infidelity, that legal problem, that bankruptcy, that depression, that, that, that stuff you're dealing with. But you hear this preacher today, the devil is a liar and the master has set everything up for a comeback for his glory. You are perfectly positioned. You're right where God wants you so he can do something powerful, exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think in your life. Come on now, give him some praise right now. That is the story of Pentecost. Calvary was the setup that looked like a setback so humanity could have a comeback. And today, my mission is to communicate. And I, I just, I hope, I wish, I, I'm, I'm believing I can communicate to you just how powerful Pentecost can be in your own personal life. I don't want to win a theological argument. I'm not into debating about the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. But I so desperately want others to see the value of what has give, God has given us through Christ in the Pentecostal experience. I want them to clear the bases in your life. I, I, I want to see people just go beyond the realm of of intellectual, conceptual, empirical truth and even beyond the emotion but deep into the realm of the spirit and the supernatural. It is not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. I want everyone in this house to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized and filled in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. Baptized and filled. Did you get that? Baptized, baptized and filled. Immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God that everybody under the sound of my voice be baptized in and filled with the Holy Spirit. This is our water baptistry right here. This is you. We're going to say that this water in the baptistry today is the Holy Spirit. Sorry, Holy Spirit. Just an illustration. But this water is the Holy Spirit. This is you. Now, you can come into the presence of the Lord like this, all capped off, not open. I've seen people come into the presence of God, not even know they were in the presence of God. Wasn't it Jacob that said that? Surely, his presence was here. I didn't even know it. You can come in. Be all capped off, bottled off. I, I've, I've talked to people in the middle of God doing amazing things in, in a meeting. And they're like, you know, nonchalant. Ain't nothing going on in this room. Are you kidding me? They were forever changed. Their destiny just got all shifted right there before your very eyes. Ain't nothing happening here. Why? They were 
They were closed off. They were shut down. Not going to happen. But we can humble ourselves, open ourselves, get in the presence of God, and not just tiptoe, float around, but we can dive deep. And you can't see it. One day we'll have cameras. We'll have a camera crew. We'll get the camera crew up here. But until then, listen to this. You hear that? It was immersed and filled. Oh, that's pretty nice, isn't it? It was immersed and filled. You can be immersed and and it is the will of God that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ is immersed in and filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's where the power is. You hear what I'm saying? This is not just a culture that we have, a church culture where we come on a certain time and leave on us. This is a, a, a an organism that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is filled with, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Clothed with power from on high. That's what Jesus said. Dunamis, dynamite, the self-energizing, explosive power of God. It is the will of God that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we are, I think the argument can be made, but I'm not trying to win an argument. Let me just put it like this. You will speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Now, that means you will say things, you will speak in a language that you never learned as the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do so. You'll say words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you don't understand and maybe even those around you don't understand. And listen, it's so weird to the flesh. Jesus said the flesh doesn't profit anything. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not about your flesh. But in the spirit, where, where, where the spirit realm is and deep on the inside of you, you are at home in that realm. It is the will of God for the spirit of God to flow through you until you speak with other tongues and all kinds of powerful things are unlocked in your life. Now, there are 7 billion plus people on this planet. 7 billion plus. Now I have an album out called Seven Billion Souls. And I want you to pull your phone out right now, go to your favorite source and go buy it or stream it. Uh, I'll make uh, like four one-hundredths of three cents uh, uh, if you'll do that. But uh, the album's called Seven Billion Souls because when I made the album, there were just, we had just gotten to the seven billion mark of the population on the planet. So I named this album Seven Billion Souls, wrote a song called Seven Billion Souls, and now it's out of date because there's almost seven and a half billion souls on this planet. And do you know how many people who call themselves Christians speak in tongues on the planet right now? About 700 million. So it's like a tithe speaking tongues. But I desperately want that number to grow. I believe everyone who calls on the name of Jesus should be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. 
And I desperately want every believer who calls on the name of Jesus in this room to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Why? Because it is your right. It is your destiny. This is a gift that the Father has given you that belongs to you, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. It looked like an out-of-control situation, but he was perfectly orchestrating it to bring about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's no respecter of persons. If it happened to me, it can happen to you. Peter said it. The promises unto you and your children, those who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Somebody say, that's me. That's you. That's you. This is not about being part of a Pentecostal denomination. It's never been about that. As a matter of fact, there are Pentecostal denominations that now have 30 and 40% only of their denomination who speak in tongues. When originally this was the big thing that separated them. But it's not about being part of a Pentecostal denomination. I believe this is for everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. You don't have to live this life alone. You don't have to walk this walk alone. There's someone that's been called alongside you to help. Jesus said to his, his, his disciples, it is expedient, is it to your advantage that I go away? Because if I go away, I will send the comforter and he will come and he will teach you and guide you and lead you and empower you, that power from on high. You don't have to live this life, walk this life, this walk all by yourself. The comforter wants to strengthen you and let you walk in the same anointing that Jesus the Christ walked in. The Holy Spirit on the Christian is just as powerful as the Holy Spirit on the Christ. Come on now. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not trying to memorize scriptures. It's about a connection in the spirit. We walk in with him. We talk with him. We commune with him. When I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit enables me to pray with groanings which cannot be uttered. Come on. It's about a walk in the spirit. It's about a walk in the spirit. So people say, how do I receive the Holy Ghost, Pastor? How do I... Get filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, let me clarify, I can't give anybody the Holy Ghost. Years ago, and I've told this story, it's funny, in our church in Maryland, we had a guest evangelist, and and, uh, actually I preached that day, and the evangelist guy was in the house, his name's David, And, and, and we were praying for people at the end of the service, and David prayed for two people, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Notice I said, David prayed with some people, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. My kids come up to me, and they said, Dad, how come David could give those people the Holy Ghost, but you couldn't give anybody the Holy Ghost? Well, this offended my sensibilities. First of all, as a teacher, theologically, I completely failed and let my children down. They're often a heresy and false doctrine. And secondly, David prayed for people that didn't get the Holy Ghost that day, too. I told him as such. First of all, David didn't give nobody the Holy Ghost. Second of all, he prayed for people that didn't get the Holy Ghost. And so I prayed for people that have gotten the Holy Ghost. So quit comparing me to David, right? <laughs> but, but people cannot give people the Holy Ghost. It's a gift from God, bought and paid for by the blood 
of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. So we, we don't give people the Holy Ghost, but what we do is, like I illustrated with that little bottle, we can position ourselves to receive. And by that, I do not mean we start living a better life. Like I can get cleaned up good enough, and then finally we cross the line, and he says, you're so good now, I got a little something, something for you. Here's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not the way it works. As a matter of fact, I need the Holy Spirit to live the life I'm supposed to live. I need the Holy Spirit to help clean me up. Oh, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get in church so long you forget from where you came from and you forget kind of the junk you already got stuck to the bottom of your foot. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're walking, you get that sticky and you're like, I done stepped in gum. You know, sometimes we need that reminder like, oh, yeah, I ain't, I ain't, the rapture hadn't happened yet, you know. You don't get good enough to get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not how you position yourself. You'll never get that good. Here's what you do. You just repent. What do I mean by that? You say, I've trusted in something else besides your finished work. It may be religion. It may be myself. It may be money. It may be my performance, whatever. But but I've trusted in something. and, And I am so sorry. I am trusting. I'm looking only to you. That work that you did, that what looked like a setback, I now know was a setup for my comeback. You've knocked it out of the park. I am so grateful for what you did for me. You did for me what I couldn't do for myself. While I was yet a sinner, you died for me, the ungodly. And I just want to give you praise. I want to turn to you, put all my faith and trust in you, believe you to take me to the other side. I'm looking only to you. That is what I'm talking about. Turning, turning to him. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God. And then the other thing that we could do, just because you've turned to him does not mean you'll receive. You you have to pursue. You repent and you pursue. One of the ways you do that is you ask. You ask. I heard... going through a book the other day and this guy said this massive contract was awarded to this company. Well, as a matter of fact, it was Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Jimmy Stewart had all of his, I believe it was Jimmy Stewart, he had all of this movie paraphernalia from the years and years of Hollywood <clears throat> and museums wanted it and stuff like that and they gave it to this little no-name hokey group And they asked Jimmy Stewart, how did they get that? And he said, they asked. They just asked. The power of asking cannot be underestimated. And Jesus told a story. He said, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? And then he said, do you know how much better your heavenly father is that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, will he give you something else? No. If you ask, he'll fill you. So you position but you also pursue and you ask, you look, you ask, you seek, you, you knock, you ask. Father, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then not only do you pursue and not only do you petition, but you also praise. 
we see in the first church, the first chapter of the book of Acts into the second chapter of the book of Acts, the book of Luke chapter 24 explaining the same stuff that was going on. They were in that upper room worshiping, praising God, just waiting for the promise of the Father. So they were expectant, they were praising, they were worshiping, and suddenly, bam, the Lord filled them with the Holy Spirit. So my question is, as Greg said it so eloquently, how bad do you want it? How badly do you want to be filled with that power? Stand with me right now. I've seen people get the Holy Ghost a lot in our living room. I'll never forget in our very first Life Point service in our living room, Manshack Place, corner of Bluff and Old Perkins in that neighborhood. Holy Ghost fell in the middle of that service. Bam, and Devin Zariah, who lives in California right now, dropped to his knees, started speaking in tongues as the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. What had happened? I'll tell you what had happened. He had turned to Jesus. He was open. He was asking, and we were praising, and the power of God fell. Boom. And he was filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. I remember another guy, Hunter. He goes to the POA. His grandmother was somehow connected in Alexandria, and he's in our living room. I've got a picture somewhere. We're laying hands on him, praying with him. He was open. He was asking. We were praising. He was filled with the Holy Ghost in our living room. I'll never forget Mr. Melvin and Miss Jane years ago on Tiggy Duplessis as God filled them with the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget Ron and Denise and their whole family over on Tiggy Duplessis as God began to move on them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Our own Brenna right here at, uh, at Chapel, right, right over here, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Teresa was blown away, and then Teresa got the Holy Ghost right up here around the front, and, and, and Miss Ann was filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember that. Uh, Caleb told a story last week uh, of a couple that on a Sunday morning she was filled, and on a Sunday night he was filled miraculous, just so powerful. I've seen people around the world filled with the Holy Ghost in different continents, Australia, New Zealand, Vanuatu, in Cape Town, South Africa. I witnessed over 200 receive the Holy Ghost in just a a, a few minutes of time. In Central America, El Salvador, the mountain country, and the city, I've seen in homes, camps, churches, streets, restaurants, stores, malls, not big church services, not big cathedrals, Not Pentecostal churches, malls, offices, the young, the old, all races, no matter what their past, criminals with a past, bad credit, good credit, rich, poor. He said in the last days, God said it, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. I'm telling you, church, we're going to see a harvest in these last days where people are filled with the Holy Spirit. No matter what name they call themselves, no matter what their background is, because the Lord wills that everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, and I'm closing here, we see the Jewish Feast of Passover. It's where they celebrate coming out of Egypt during the Exodus, and the Passover lamb would cover their sins. They celebrated this On and on, 50 days after Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the giving of the law was commemorated where God wrote His law on tablets of stone on Mount Sinai. But between Passover and Pentecost and associated with these feasts, there were these grain offerings, the barley offering, the wheat offering. And Pentecost symbolized the culmination of the celebration of the barley and the wheat harvest. Jews to this day 
during Pentecost read the book of Ruth because it's filled with stories of the harvest. On Easter, we looked at the resurrection. Good Friday before that, we looked at the death. But that was a setback that was really a setup. And on Pentecost, we celebrate the outpouring of His Spirit and the harvest that came from the planting of Christ and the raising up of the church, the body of Christ. I'm telling you, you hear what I'm saying. In these last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. In Ascension Parish, in Prairieville, in Livingston Parish, EBR, Baton Rouge, all over these parishes, before the great and mighty return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God will fill people in unprecedented measures. I believe that with all my heart. And I want people in this room to have your own personal Pentecost. Not for my benefit, not so you can be Pentecostal, but because that's the power of God that will help you walk this walk. You were called for more than just living without that power. Amen. Here's what I want us to do right now. This is different. I just felt so strongly to do this. I've been nervous about this whole service. But this is what I want us to do. The Bible says they were filled where they were sitting in that upper room. There were people praising and worshiping God that had been in the temple. They're walking, some of them. They were all over the room. They weren't just at an altar. They were all over the place. And what I want us to do is because you have a tendency to kind of get stuck wherever you are, I want us to move from where we are. And, and I want some to come around the front, some to get back in the corners, some to get in the aisles, along the walls. Just move from where you are. I want to challenge you. Just move from where you are. Get over someplace different. And God's going to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. God's going to refill some people with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.